Today on Abounding Grace, find the peace that your heart is longing for. So much is broken in our lives, in our bodies, in our families, sometimes for years and years and years, generation after generation. Things are getting harder, not easier. But listen, no medication, no alcohol, no marijuana, no opioid, no psychologist has the ability to mend your life. Only a risen, powerful Savior paid the price to bring peace with God and the peace of God in your life. There is no other way. And He wants to mend those places in your life. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. The world as we know it is in a state of turmoil. But what is the answer? And can we really experience peace in the midst of it all? Today on Abounding Grace, we put the finishing touches on our study of Hebrews, and we're talking about the God of peace. Thankfully, he's willing to share his peace with us. It's there for the receiving. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor. Notice verse one of chapter five of Romans. It says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Do you notice that phrase in verse one? We have peace with God. God has made peace with us. And those that have peace, verse two, now have access to grace. You're able to stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And then he says in verse 3, not only that, but we also glory in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Verse 6, for when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly, for scarcely a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. There's a lot to unpack there, but the emphasis here is your peace with God. The war with God is over. I mean, that's how the Bible describes you apart from Christ. Like, like perhaps you're here today and you aren't in relationship with God. You're upset with God. You maybe are an atheist and you came uh, as a guest perhaps, or you're kind of curious, but, but you're really not interested in the things of God. You're just kind of enduring this time that we call our church service. Well, the Bible says it's more, you're more than just a visitor. You're at war with God. You've taken a position fighting God. You, you've taken a position in your life, in your belief system right now, that you want to continue to fight against your creator who loves you, gave his son for you, that while you were without any strength, that's how you're described now, God loves you and demonstrated his love to you by sending his son Jesus into your life. I don't know if you've ever considered that you're at war with God. 
And you know, there, there's nothing pretty about war. Nothing. At the, at the very worst, it, it devastates in the loss of life. And if you didn't lose your life, then you lose limbs. And cities and countries are destroyed because of war. Lives are ruined because of war. Minds are devastated. What we now call today PTSD has always been with us. Because the atrocities of war in the physical realm are horrific. They're horrific. But so too are the atrocities of war with God. It destroys lives. People will go their whole life just refusing to believe in God, refusing to agree with God, refusing to admit that God is who he says he is. And yet by faith, you immediately experience peace. And I think that's an important gift that we would treasure is we have peace. We're no longer fighting God. We're no longer striving. Or even more so, the Father, he has no record of wrong against you anymore. There, there is no resistance from God. You now have peace. Not only do you have peace with God, but it comes from the peace of God. You now can enjoy peace and rest. It encourages faith. You're not separated anymore. I think the word that best describes a person not at peace with God is troubled. Troubled. Just never really settled. And God wants you to be settled today. He, he wants you to enjoy his peace. Even if you're considering going backwards, even if you're considering throwing in the towel, even if you're considering turning your back on church, even if you've chosen now the route of deconstructing your faith, God wants you to enjoy peace. He wants you not to deconstruct your faith. He wants you to build your faith. He, want you, he wants you to surrender in deeper ways. I mean, I want you to go backwards to the moment you were born again when God reached to you and said, he accepts you as you are. That's pretty powerful. I have the privilege of declaring to you today that God accepts you as you are. He receives you as you are. There isn't anything that you could do to clean up your life to make you acceptable to God. He accepts you as you are. Now, maybe you've encountered Christians and churches along the way that haven't accepted as you as you are. And they've actually pushed you away from taking deeper steps in your relationship with Jesus. I'm sorry about that. You've encountered the weakness of man. We remain weak in our lives. We continue to make mistakes. We continue to sin. And, and some have even adopted beliefs about God or theologies about God that have made them very judgmental. But when you get back to the root of who Jesus is, he accepts you as you are. I couldn't help but think last night of many examples in the life of Jesus, but I remember one in particular. We, we are, remember this story about this encounter with Jesus as Jesus meeting this woman caught in the midst of adultery. And that's what many of the headings in your, the subheadings, you know, if you have a Bible that have a, a lot of subheadings, those actually aren't inspired words. Those are translators trying to help you understand what you're about to read. And so that's how we remember it. The woman caught in the midst of adultery. But there's so much more to the story than that little title. Because we have a woman that is basically living her life like she did every day. 
she was involved in the sex trade and that's what she did. That's how she made a living. And she sold her body or involved herself in sexual relations with other men, with many other men. The problem on this particular day is that a group of men set her up. I mean, imagine that. She was set up. Matter of fact, she wasn't just set up by any group of men. She was set up by religious men. Men that were, in, were instructed or put in a position to lead people in obeying and worshiping God. But they had fallen far from the original calling that God had in their lives. And so they set up this encounter. And they get her connected with a guy. And somehow, although the Bible doesn't say exactly, and I'll just paraphrase through the story for you. The Bible doesn't say exactly, but there has to be something where they're watching the whole encounter. Because the encounter, the sexual encounter between this man and woman are interrupted. Because the Bible does say that she was caught in the act. So she is taken. Already living, I believe, a life of shame. Already living in a culture that looked down upon her. Already looking at her life of not being able to improve. I mean, then being used by religious men. Then being taken from the very act and thrust into the presence of Jesus. Publicly, not privately, but publicly. And there's no mention of her being covered. There's no mention of her being clothes being put on. There's no mention of her being able to make herself uh, and prepare herself to see Jesus Christ. No, they just are using her. And they're using her to try to take down Jesus. Trying to, to bring him down and And the way that the story goes is that Jesus, you know, he doesn't really acknowledge the whole thing, but he just begins to write in the dirt there in front of all the people. And those religious rulers, they start to leave one by one. And there's been a lot of speculation, you know, what did Jesus write exactly? But I I do like this one speculation more than the others, is that he was writing down their names and the popular sin in their life. And as they were watching that exposure, they began to walk away. So that he was left with this woman. The reason he was left with this woman was twofold, or actually a couple things, but one of them was to remind us that Jesus will accept you as you are. Used, neglected, abandoned. Maybe you're in the sex trade today, and that's your choice. Jesus receives you and accepts you as you are. He accepts you. You know, maybe you're addicted to drugs today. God accepts you in Christ Jesus. He receives you. Maybe you're drunk. Maybe you're drunk right now, right here. Well, God loves you and he accepts you right now, right here. Maybe you're a notorious gossip or a liar. And on and on the list can go. You need to be reminded that The blood of Jesus Christ is enough to forgive your sin too. What's happened to the church? What's happened to us? Really ask the question where it applies. What's happened to us? Are we now only accepting people that have cleaned their life up? Is that, are we the only, now are we the only, do we only accept people that have gone through the process now and, and we're not, we don't make room for the weakness of sin. We don't make room for the destruction of sin. And now we're just all quickly prejudging people because they look this way, they act this way, they smell this way. What's happened to the church? 
And I think we have to ask ourselves, are we still going to navigate in our community accepting people as they are in their current condition? So many of us, we walked into a church in our current condition. A friend came over to my house, and Mike, he came into my house where sin ruled the day and gave me the message that God loved me and accepted me as I was. Church, you've got to check your heart. We're so quick to label people. We just let the world teach us how to label people. So once they're labeled, we don't have to deal with them anymore. But that's sin in and of itself. So now the church church has a, a reputation that has become, you know, they're not known for their love for one another. They're known because they're the quickest ones to point out every wrong in society. They're the quickest ones to point out every difficulty. They're the quickest ones to to have that self-righteousness about them instead of being on the highways and the byways compelling people to come to the Lord. But it starts with acceptance. We need to accept people in their current condition. Listen, don't misunderstand me. Easily you could walk down the path and go, wait a minute, Ed, doesn't the blood of Jesus Christ matter? It does. Doesn't the cross of Christ matter? It does. Doesn't, Doesn't God want to change lives? He does. But unfortunately, now people have to get through us. And we need to make a way for people to come to the cross and cease this prejudgment of people's lives. Have you forgotten where you've come from? Have you forgotten the condition of your life apart from Christ? It's very difficult for me to forget. It's memories plague me almost every day of my life of my past. And I don't, in one way, don't ever want to forget what God delivered me from. Because that's the very gateway. I want to help people see that they too can experience peace with God. That God will deliver them. That woman, back to the Bible story, that woman, Jesus made it really clear. He says to the gal, where are your accusers? I don't know, they're gone. Well, neither do I. And what did he tell her? Go and sin no more. And that's God's word to you today. Go and sin no more. See, the acceptance of you isn't approval of sin. Because sin will wreck your life. Sin will continue to separate you from God. Sin will ruin everything that you touch. It, It will be like mold in a house. It'll just grow and grow and make everyone sick that comes in contact with it. Sin is destructive. So so when we say to you today, and I declare to you today on behalf of God that God accepts you as you are, it's not his desire for you to stay as you are. He wants to do a thorough work on the inside in your life. He, he He wants you to experience the God of all peace. But at church, we we can't get in the middle. We can't build barriers between people and God. We need to care about our city to the point where we walk into people's problems and just realize that not not only do we need to walk into people's problems, but people's problems are going to walk in here. That's why this church, our church is so messy. And I don't mean the carpet or any of that. I mean lives. They're just so messed up and difficult and hard. And it's not just Christians dealing with stuff. It is people dealing with stuff. It's the after effects and the consequences and the challenges that sin brings. We're not just this little holy huddle where, you know, nobody else can get in because we're already here. 
No, we want to compel people to, you're welcome here. Maybe you're listening on the radio. You're listening, watching online. You're welcome here. You're welcome to join this community of believers. We want you to be a believer. You have to understand, though, when you come into a community of believers like this, we're not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to you. The behavior that you're in that you know intrinsically is not right. God agrees with you it's not right. It's so not right that the sacrifice of the great shepherd had to die on your behalf. And if you continue to live in your sin, right? We accept you as you are, but if you continue to live that way apart from God, you will spend eternity separated from God. Sometimes you will hear that referred to as you'll spend forever in hell. But there's actually other words in the Bible to describe that, like the lake of fire, like Gehenna, as real as heaven is. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody generally in the world believes in heaven. But for heaven to be real, hell has to be real too. They go together. You just, not everybody's going to get into heaven. Not everyone's going to enjoy. Listen, the, the, one, one person put it this way. Like, if you don't want to live for God right now, what makes you think you're going to change your mind? You won't. God will give you the desire of your heart, not only now, but for all eternity. And as believers in Jesus, we need to be walking with the gospel. We, we need to allow stepping into the messy parts of lives we need to build trust in someone that they will hear us and receive from us. And you know, that trust is built through genuine agape love. That we would truly love people. And that, that's where he closes this whole letter off in Hebrews. The God of all peace. The power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. How he reconciled and brought people back. How in verse 21... He wants, even in the midst of your mess, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight. Verse 23 says, know that our brother Timothy has been set free. Timothy got out of jail. Whatever happened to Timothy, he's been set free. And notice, he's, he's going to come with me. Like, he was set free so that he could continue to serve God. And that's how it is with your life. You're set free so you can serve God. You've been set free. Maybe you got out of jail. Well, you got out of jail to serve God. Maybe you got out of the prison of addiction. You prison of diva. Whatever it is, you've been saved to serve God, just like Timothy. He didn't get, he, he wasn't set free so he can just rest. He was set free to serve the Lord. And then in verse 24, say hello to everyone. Um, people from Italy greet you. Grace be with you all. Amen and amen. And God wants you to experience his peace. Jesus was the one that was sent to mend your life. And may he equip you and heal you and strengthen you for every good work, church. So much is broken in our lives, in our bodies, in our families. Sometimes for years and years and years, generation after generation, things are getting harder, not easier. But listen, no medication, no alcohol, no marijuana, no opioid, no psychologist has the ability to mend your life. Only a risen, powerful Savior paid the price to bring peace with God and the peace of God in your life. There is no other way. And he wants to mend those places in your life. Sometimes we get so caught up with church culture and popular culture. 
We get so influenced with popular opinions and narratives that we forget the broken, hurting world around us. And Jesus wants to reach them just like he reached you. So it's almost like for the Hebrews, he goes like, he's telling the Hebrews, just settle this thing. Stop thinking about going backwards. Settle your life. Make that to reaffirm that decision to follow Jesus and get back to the place of reconciling people to God. Don't get caught up in all the narratives and all the, you know, even the little church culture that we can have, but let's just be true, real believers serving him with our lives, fighting the good fight of faith. Let's end here. Would you turn over to Nehemiah in the Old Testament chapter 4? Such an encouraging verse to us. In verse 13 of chapter 4, Nehemiah, there's discouragement among the people. There is difficulty. There are enemies coming against them. And Nehemiah stands up and he says, well, first it shows us what he did. Therefore, I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings. I set the people according to their families with their swords and their spears and their bows. And I looked, he says in verse 14, and arose and said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome. Fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And that's the word of the Lord to us today. Settle in your life to follow Jesus and then stand up and fight for your families, for your kids, for your church family. Make the harder choice. Make the harder choice to fight in the spiritual realm. Be careful not to get caught up in all the cultural things of even as we're seeing a major cultural shift in the church today, and some of you are caught up in it. The power of the church is not political. The power of the church is spiritual. It's the spirit of God that will save you and strengthen you and help you. The spirit of God will empower you. You have no continuing city here. So don't put your hope in man. Don't put your hope, you know, we, we were thinking last night, you know, some people put their hope in chariots, some people put their hope in horses, and you're like, I don't get it. I've never put my hope in a chariot or a horse in my whole life. But really, the psalmist is telling us that there are many options to put your trust in. Military might, strength, amassing wealth, and having things. And if 2020 hasn't taught you anything, is it, it needs to. That nothing is certain except the Word of God and the presence of God in our lives. Nothing is certain. And, and I just don't, don't be so quick to put your hope in something that is no power whatsoever. Nehemiah gets the people together and goes, I know it's bad, and I know it's hard, and I know it's discouraging, and I know the enemies are pressing in, and they want to take us out. It's like they didn't just want to stop the work. They wanted to kill the people. And Nehemiah goes, you know, enough is enough. Don't be afraid. That's where it starts. Don't be afraid. And then he says, stand up and fight because every battle belongs to the Lord. Every single battle in your life belongs to the Lord. That is Pastor Ed Taylor, who today just completed our lengthy study of Hebrews here on Abounding Grace. We hope you found it encouraging. It's good to be reminded in days like these that we have peace with God. Share this encouragement with a friend by pointing them to AboundingGraceRadio.com. 
Hey, this is Pastor Ed from Abounding Grace Radio, and I wanted to let you know that we just released another book. It's called Face Your Fears. And in it, I really want to encourage you with all the worrisome difficulties that are surrounding our world and culture today. I mean, perhaps you're feeling it yourself, fearful, filled with anxiety, wondering what's next, wondering what the future holds. As a pastor, I want you to consider God's faithfulness, His utter reliability, and I would encourage you to pick up a copy. You can get it on our website, calvaryco.store, calvaryco.store. And when you do, just know that all the net proceeds support missions and people doing the ministry around the world. And we would love to partner with you. Get a copy, get some first friends, and be encouraged in the Lord. And please remember that your gifts help to make this program possible. We look to the Lord to provide for us. If He's leading you to take an active role in this ministry through either a one-time gift or ongoing support, please visit us online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or call us 877-30-GRACE. We're all excited to tell you about our next series called Face Your Fears. It all starts Monday on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora. 